Welcome to episode 54 of the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Shearer and Stephen Slate and I are going to be talking about what is addiction? What is it? How do I know if I have it? Or do it? Or whatever? <laughs> is there an it? Is there an it at all? <laughs> we offer two ways to work privately with a Freedom Model instructor. The first way is at our beautiful St. Jude Retreat, and we also We'll teach you via Zoom with our at-home Freedom Model private instruction program. You can get information about our retreat at SoberForever.net and TheFreedomModel.org and about our at-home private instruction at LeaveAddictionBehind.com. You can also call us directly at 888-424-2626. All right, who wants to start and tell us what is addiction? What is addiction? Yeah. Um, well, as I already hinted at, we don't think there's an it. Right? But there is a problem. Sure. Right? Yep. And there's the problem that you know when you see it, which is, um, oh, God, Johnny's life is just revolving around drinking. Yep. And he's drinking all day. And um, he's screwing up this, that, the other thing. And um, and he's and he's not, and it just doesn't seem right, and he's not stopping. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? So his, his life is a train wreck, is what his, you're his, And, yeah. yeah, his life is a, is a train wreck. Then there's the, so there's that. And that's, that's the problem, right? Is that you're circling around one thing, kind of, even though it's massively to your detriment. Um, that's a problem. Now, normally that gets defined as, an addiction, right? A condition that you have where you are compelled to do that, where Johnny, in this case, is only circling around it, not because he likes to party, not because he thinks it helps him with his stress, not because, like, name any of the reasons, or he's out of work and he doesn't want to go back to work and he is scared at the idea and just mm-hmm. drinks instead of going to do... No, there's no reasons... It's that the alcohol has addicted him, or some <laughs> gene is wrong in his brain. Or and his brain has been hijacked. His brain has been hijacked. Something forces him to use. Now, we spend a lot of time challenging that concept of addiction in the book and saying it doesn't exist. In the There's, Freedom Model for Addictions. In book. the Freedom in our book, The Freedom Model for mm-hmm. Addictions, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, Shameless um, plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, because ultimately there's a whole bunch of evidence that shows there's nothing involuntary about it. We do retain our capacity to choose to do it or not do it. Now, it's before, never lost. Before we go on, I'm going to cut in, and I know there are listeners out there that that's a new idea. Yeah. You may not have listened to our podcast before or read the book. Um, and so this idea kind of comes out of the blue uh, that that you're not compelled, that you, there is no loss of control, um, and that you're not hijacked. Your brain isn't hijacked. There isn't a brain disease rendering you compelled to use beyond your control. And so, there is not a hidden trauma forcing right. you specifically to drink or take drugs beyond your control. It, it There's dr- nothing that does it. That's right. And that's a real... Um, scary idea that they're propagating now and Gabor Mate or however you say his name I see it now on the deprogramming AA sites that people are like oh this is it this is the answer 
and and I'm like, no, I want to scream at the screen. No, yeah. you know, this is, you don't have to go seeking out a hidden trauma or some, you know, hidden thing that's driving your use. Um, some people just like to get high. Well, that's Mate actually goes so far as to say that every single person right. who struggles with, with yeah. addiction has to have some trauma. So people spend years trying to figure out what that is. I know. Yeah. It's a terrible, terrible distraction to the reality that people have just personal reasons for getting high that could include just they like it, you know? Yeah. And so. I, just, I just read an article that yeah. really upset me <laughs> because it was talking about alcoholism, first of all, as if that's a thing, and that what causes alcoholism isn't the underlying, which I at first I read it because I was like, it's not underlying causes there's no underlying causes and but then he goes on to say it's basically the alcohol that hooks you ah so the alcohol is the addictive agent it's the addictive yeah. agent it's something that 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 you addicts know, you but but if alcohol did that wouldn't it do that with every single person that drank it right you know i mean it's so so it's not so the question is is addiction something that happens to you or is it something that you do yeah it's something that you do and like other activities, other really heavy involvements in life, over time, you've just come to see this activity as incredibly important right. to you mm-hmm. for any number of reasons. Now it's become central to your life. And now you don't want to do other things. Everything else falls below this on the priority. Yeah, it becomes like, subordinate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you th- and now we could go an extra step and say you often think that you need it, right? Yes. Like I run into a lot of opioid users that think that their brain is deficient. Now we're going back to the brain disease model probably because they've heard that. Yeah, I'm sure right? they've been taught that. But that they lack something and opiates make up for it. Right. So they need the opiates for or that reason. Or methamphetamine. That's a common or, idea with methamphetamine too, that it changes your brain. And then yeah. Yeah, you, you can't be happy without it. Yeah. Even when you stop, you can't be happy anymore. Yeah, and so you think you need it. Or you think you need it to be outgoing instead of shy. You right. think you need it to deal with depression, to calm down your anger, to just feel any joy, pleasure, whatsoever, right? But so now let's... So there's reasons, right? And guess what? A lot of normal people that don't seem to have a problem have those reasons. Sure. There's the people that won't dance unless they drink. Yep. yep. Right? Yeah. So that's not, so that in and of itself doesn't mean that you have a problem. But somehow, some of us, the scales tip so much, it becomes so central and important that we kind of feel like we need it. So I don't think that that's, I don't want us to call that an addiction, just to be clear to the listeners. We try to, in the program, the Freedom Model, we try to do away with the word addiction because yes. it is so incredibly associated with this disease model and with the idea that substance use becomes involuntary. But somehow you got something going on in your mind where you believe it's the all-important thing. That's it. That's it. You somewhere along the line, you learn that you need it for liquid courage or something. In classes, a lot of times, I'll have a guy who's a heavy drinker, woman that's a heavy drinker. And, uh, but if it's a guy, I'll say, how did you learn it? Think about a show. Go back in time and think about a show that, that taught you that you needed alcohol for courage, for instance. 
and uh, it almost invariably goes to a Western. You know? yeah. <laughs> so now I just skip asking the question. I'm just like, did you ever see John Wayne movies? <laughs> right? yeah. And uh, I said, what happens right before the gunfight? And they all go, oh, the swinging saloon doors. Bup, 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 bup. Two shots of whiskey, yeah. and then they go out, and, and they <clears throat> shoot up the town. So, uh, and, yeah. and it's not, that's not a small thing, though. No. That's not a small thing, because when you're eight years old, yeah. You you can't discern if that's true or not. Yeah. Okay, you're not sitting there thinking objectively. Does alcohol make me courageous? Right? <laughs> you're yeah. not a researcher. You're not doing the research. You're just taking it at face value, and yeah. you go, "That makes sense to me." Because my dad fought last week. You know, after he got out of the bar. Yeah. yeah. John Wayne does it. I guess I will too. Yeah. And suddenly it becomes liquid courage. Yeah, but again, there's a lot of people who believe in liquid courage, but they don't seem. Addicted. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. So I, so it's, I'm going to say if there's a thing, again, and you guys can jump in on this, right? Because we've explained it 8 billion different ways. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just to say that it's not a thing, but it's your relationship. And relationship, that word always feels a little overused, right? Like, and Pat, it almost like flies over you. That word, yeah, my relationship to alcohol. My addiction. You know what I mean? It just kind of flies over. But it is kind of a relationship to it. It's your orientation towards the alcohol um, or towards the drug. You've got an inflated view of its powers, probably, and its importance to you specifically. Yep. Right? Where nothing else can compare to it in your mind. Right. Right. So that is really the problem. And because I know each of us has found when we got over our own drug and alcohol use problems. Right. And I'll say problem. But I mean, I was homeless for a while and stole all kinds of stuff to support (laughs) my heroin habits. You could say I had a heroin addiction, but I'm going to say it was a heroin problem because I don't believe in the word addiction. Addiction. Right. Right. But. We all, suffice it to say, we all had serious problems. We all got over it. And I know part of me getting over it was realizing, oh, actually, there's more in the world for me than getting high all day. And then as I stopped for a while, I was also realizing, oh, God, I have far less problems and I'm able to deal with my problems better than when I would just run off and shoot up. And that's, <laughs> and, right? that's like, not a small thing. That's a either. massive thing. That's, that's a massive, massive thing to figure thing. out. Right? Yeah. And so we all, like, so I can quite confidently say my view of drugs and their value shrunk to next to nothing. Yeah. Right? Next to nothing. I won't say there's nothing there. Right? I, I like to drink sometimes. And, okay, it's an interesting feeling. Right. But it is no kind of solution. No. Right? It is not the most And there are a million other things you can do that are also nice, interesting feelings. And and exciting and risk-taking and... And yeah. and has better returns. And, I mean, there's so... There's an infinite world out there. I think that when you drink for a long time or drug or whatever, man, you, you... world just shrinks it does you know because you really really believe it's the only answer at that time right and but then something breaks inside you something just doesn't jive you know the treatment centers keep telling you you're always going to crave and 
and then, but your mental gaze, every once in a while, if you let yourself, even when you're in the throes of it, right, you're just in the middle of hell, and you go, God, I think my life could be better if I didn't do this, you know, and you start moving away from the narrative, and that's when, that's, that's the beginning of quitting, is when you, when you start to just say, I have a willingness to believe that it probably could be better, that I didn't stick a needle in my arm and go boost baby formula. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's my favorite because Steve did that. <laughs> Just about every podcast I mentioned. Yeah, you've been, been on that a lot lately. Yeah, for maybe a year now. <laughs> but uh, if you knew Steve, it's so hilarious that he was a criminal like that. It's awesome. It's awesome. So uh, I don't know about when I stole a couple bags of frozen shrimp and had them in my pants. <laughs> it's awesome. Awesome. That was quite a night. That was at like seven in the morning after a very long night. So, oh so, we, so we could say that that instance yeah. compared to where your life is yeah. now. It's so absurd. It, it's absurd. It is it's, absurd. And it's a chasm. It's yeah. a chasm of difference. And th- that's how important, you know, heroin was to me. Yes. And that's how important I thought it was. That's, that's. Okay? From that point and that place in life, you know, and so. Again, I think maybe my best definition is a, this problem we're talking about is having an exaggerated view of the value and, and importance of substances to you. Yeah, Michelle right? says something about that. It's not as good as you think. But how do you it's, 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 it, the substance is not as good or as bad as yeah. you think it is. It's, it's, it's kind of innocuous. Yeah, yeah the truth know? is somewhere in the middle. Definitely. That's what I've been trying to teach for years. Say, like, I don't want to go to hysterical fear mongering about drugs and I don't want to build them up like kind of rehabs do. Rehabs do. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. They, sure. they kind of just validate that they're, they that, solve that there's every something, problem. you know, amazing you know? about them. And yeah. how could any, and it is a struggle when you give them up because they're so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and so I, and then I think the solution is shrinking that view back down to something realistic. Yeah, which is right? really a physical buzz, a warm sensation, a little bit of newness, the, a little bit of excitement maybe. And then you color it, and I use this analogy in, in class. It, it becomes problematic when you color it with your own mind. You color the physical buzz with your own mind. And if you're at a if you're at a funeral, you could be the person that's really sloppy and carrying on, and you you're coloring that buzz blue. I call that it's blue, mm-hmm. right? It's sad. And then if you're at a bar and a wedding, you color it red with passion, and yeah. you know, and and so you color it with this, and then you make an ass of yourself because yeah. you're the guy with the lampshade on your head, yeah. right? <laughs> and to Michelle's point, it's not as bad or as good, but but we're coloring it with our own mind, with our own thoughts. But in, in reality, it's none of those things. It's just a physical sensation within your body that you're interpreting with your mind. And then you color it with your own moods and beliefs. So but there's a point in life where being the guy with the lampshade on your head is incredibly important that's to right. you. That's right. That's exactly right. For being a party animal. That's exactly right. Right? And so part of it is not only understanding that it, it doesn't necessarily make you put a lampshade on your head. Right, but like realizing that being that guy, that you have other options than being that guy, and you can be a wild guy without booze no, and drugs yeah, as well if you if you want to be wild, but you get to a point where it's like you want something more and different than that too, you know. Yeah. And so there's there's all kinds of angles to this, right? Because the importance of alcohol 
or drugs is not just in a vacuum. It's compared to what else you want out of life and what sort of um, options you think you have yeah. towards getting that. Yeah. Right? And so, now, how do I know if I have an addiction? That was another the, part. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to talk about that. I was just going to go there um, because I spent a lot of time when I was young and partying really hard. Like, I, from the moment I smoked my first joint at 12 to when I was pretty much doing drugs every day and drinking, I spent a lot of time thinking about, yeah, did I cross the line? Uh, Was there a line yes, that I crossed? Am, yeah, I, am I, I? But I can honestly tell you that even to the day that I quit, I never felt addicted. Like like somebody, <laughs> I, my dad had done his little intervention with me like six months before I quit everything, which just made me like throw myself into drinking that much harder. Um, <laughs> and I actually said the words, I can take it or leave it. And the truth was I could. Of yes. course. You know, yeah. and, yes. and of course. But, but you that, didn't want to leave it yet. But I didn't. <laughs> I like, like, that's what he said. He goes, why don't you leave it? I'm like, because I don't want to. I mean, we had that exact conversation. And he was like, that means you're an addict. And I'm like, is that what that means? So then I spent six months literally drinking myself into oblivion. I quit all the drugs because I wanted to prove I wasn't an addict. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, but I drank morning till night and wondering, but still not feeling addicted. Yeah. Like, so, so I think a lot of people that might be like, feel like Jesus, but I was unhappy and I felt like I, there was a point where I felt like I, it was, the, it wasn't that I felt like I couldn't stop. It was that I genuinely didn't want to stop and, but I wanted to want to, does that make sense? Yes. yes you know? And so, so I think a lot of people get stuck in that spot where, where they're like, do I, do I like how I want to want to stop. Yeah. But you don't have to think you're addicted or not addicted. Throw that word out completely. Yeah. Because that was like a distraction for me to figure out what I wanted. Yeah. Well, I, that's because the am I addicted or not thing is about, okay, I have to stop. It's yes. About, it's about swall- having that hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Right? Yes. That's it. And yes. it's something that you okay, take on forever. I admit I'm an addict. You don't need to do that. No. <clears throat> You, but don't confuse that with, I don't need to think I have a problem. If you have a problem, you have a problem. Sure. And take it seriously, right? Yeah. But we don't have to call it this condition that has so much baggage in our culture. Right. right? It's something you feel like you're taking on forever. Because really, what it is, is you're, I mean, it sounds like you were going up through a crisis about growing up or something. Pretty much. I was 22. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's more of like, ah, do I still want to be this way? Yes. Wait, is that it? Or... Yeah. Do I still want to be this party girl or do I want to actually get on with my life? I'd failed out of college. I'd been arrested. I mean, I had a lot of problems associated with yeah. my substance use. So I knew that there were problems. I wasn't in denial. Like I knew it was problematic, but, but I, but I didn't want to stop yet. Yeah. Until I wanted to. I didn't want to until I wanted to. And then when I wanted to, it got all this baggage got thrown out on it that, oh, you're an alcoholic, you're an addict, you inherited it, um, which I think makes it, it prolonged the process of me figuring out how to move on with my life. Yeah, I think it's just important to look at the problems for what they are, mm-hmm. you know, and if you can let go of this idea of being an addict, just when you start analyzing your problems, 
get rid of the label completely. Yeah, just right? Mm-hmm. Just, yep. just eliminate it out of your vocabulary and then see how your perception of the problem changes. Yes. When you're not an addict, what are you? And if you sit and you go, what, what am I? I'm a person that likes to get blitzed at some level. Yep. And it, and it has a lot of costs, right? And trade-offs that are pretty brutal, right? <laughs> and uh, maybe I can change. Yeah. And, and if you start there, you've gotten rid of 90% of the problem, which is the mythology that you can't stop, that you need treatment, that you need an outside intervention to change you, that you need endless support. All these things that really make quitting a drug problem so daunting and, and it looks so miserable. Yeah. You know, this idea of recovery, I, I can remember being 16, drinking myself into total a mess over this weekend. I was on a binge and I thought, I'm going to quit. But in my family, when you quit, you go to AA. Yes. So I had already adopted this idea that I was an alcoholic, that I had this problem, right? Mm-hmm. And I framed it as, as a disease. And I thought, fuck, do I really have to go to those meetings? Like, is I that, know, me is too. That, I thought that too. And I think there are a number of times from 14 to 16 where I could have quit and really just moved on with my life and probably had a much better high school experience and just been a different person, a whole different experience. Me too, me. from but, like 18 but, to 22. Yeah, but but the, if it wasn't that mountain yes, of the, being an alcoholic and going to the AA. Yeah, the dread I had <laughs> since yes. I was a little kid growing up in an AA household, the dread I had of being that guy in recovery. <laughs> and then and then yeah. And then that just fueled 2 years of drinking like an unbelievable amount of yeah. booze, you know, and it almost killed me. So, I mean Oh yeah, there's like this constant last hurrah. There is. Once you yeah. start and it, and it's not always, you know, people think of that as like the weekend before you go to rehab or something, but yeah, no, it can go on for years. years. People are At least 2 years for me. Squeeze it in before somebody until the shoe drops. And, and you right? know, in my situation, it almost was from the first time I drank because I was already told mm-hmm. 50 times, 60 times probably, before the age of 12 that if I had one beer, I was doomed. Yeah. yeah. One beer, I was doomed. And on my 12th birthday, I got drunk. I liked it. And I said, oh, my God. They were right. They were right. <laughs> and then it's six years of hell. <laughs> six years of hell. Yeah. You know, it's such a terrible thing to do to people. So... Um, get rid of, just get rid of this addict, yeah. alcoholic, disease mentality completely. Eliminate it out of your, out of your mind and say, what is the problem? Do yeah. I really want to continue with this drinking and drugging? Is it worth it? And uh, you may find that you're willing to just move on. Yeah. Start there. You don't need a label. There's not a thing called addiction to have, but there is you being incredibly focused on a drug Mm-hmm. Or an activity, right? You know, yeah, other it could things, be. Right? And and there's just that, and you got to say, wow, is is there more for me than this? Is there something different? What does that mean? Yeah. Have I built this thing up too much? You know, like that's what you're dealing with, and it's the same type of stuff you go through. Leaving a relationship, leaving yeah. a job, moving to a new town, you know, trying to break, you know, feeling like you should break from something, but but really. Not feeling like you can. I I think Michelle's analogy, and you're alluding to it now, Michelle's analogy of it being like a bad marriage is so perfect. Because when you're in a bad relationship, what's considered a bad relationship, 
you know, you're, you're, you're fighting all the time. It's incredibly painful and draining and hurtful, right? And the amount of hurt feelings in a bad marriage is unbelievable. It's just bad. If you've had a bad relationship, it's a rough, rough thing. And yet you stay. And you feel guilty about staying. You feel guilty for the things you say to the other person and you feel totally like a loser for staying. You feel the judgment of others. That's all a part of it. That's all a part of the addiction game But too. the beginning of the relationship, you put this person on a pedestal and they were, you're everything, right? So so that's the way, that's the way you, you fall in love with this substance or activity or whatever it yeah. is because you put it on a pedestal and it does everything for you and then... The more reality sets in that this person is just human and <laughs> and, may not, and may not be good for you and may not even be right for you. And that's the same with substances that for me, there were certain substances that initially felt like they were awesome for me. And um, and then as time wore on, I kept using them and it was clear that it was a bad marriage, you know. Yeah. And, and how many times are you in a bad relationship? And the very first thing you do is isolate yourself, right? Yeah. And you dive deeper into trying to fix the damn thing, yeah. right? Yes. Until you have no friends anymore, you have no social life, you just stay at home. And because you're just the friends miserable. you have are like, mm, maybe you should rethink this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you just get into this weird isolative groove. Yeah. Where the relationship is the center of your world, and it takes so much energy. There's no oh. energy for friends anymore. No. Nope. There's no energy for or any doing of anything else, yeah. any other activities. Yeah. And then. And then the day comes where you go, I don't think I, I think I want to go over there and be with that other person, you know? Or I think or, I or, just want to, I think I want to do something else. Right. You know, I, I, I bet I could be happier doing, doing something else than what I'm doing right now. Yeah. yeah. And so, that, that's what happened at the end of my drinking. That's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was part of the end of my quitting too, was, God, there's so much else in life to appreciate. Um, so, uh... Our point is, you know, relationships aren't diseases. No. That's right. right? That's right. Um, addiction, this thing we call addiction, a drug problem, it's not a disease. So let's not throw that label on it and um, approach it like you would approach another life problem, which means you got to ask yourself a few tough questions and take a stab at doing something different. Right. You know, you don't have it, but I guarantee you know if you have a problem. Right? That's very different from yes. the question of addiction or not. There's no addiction. But there's a problem. And um, if you have it, take it seriously. Ask yourself the tough questions. And you can change. I mean, and, can, yeah. and read our book. And read our book. Yeah. It'll help. Yeah. It'll help. We wrote it for you. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you're wondering, because people will ask that question, they'll be like, how do I know? How do I know if I have a problem? Because sometimes, I mean... For me, I had to question it quite a bit. Uh, if you feel like you need it, I mean, I'd say that if you feel like you need it every day to be happy, um, it might be something to look at. Yeah. You know, question, do I really need this or not? Um, if if you're, you know, the costs are getting pretty high and you're, you, you're pretty unhappy because the costs are pretty high, maybe look at it and think, maybe I should make a change. Or at least open my mind to the possibility that I can be happier doing something different. I mean, any time you're in a relationship with anyone or anything where, where you're starting to feel pretty unhappy, instead of digging your heels into that thing that you're doing, you know, 
remember that there are a million options out there for you and to find happiness and and maybe just shift your gaze yeah yep yeah you know all right well we're at the, about a half an hour so i guess we'll close it up i hope everybody enjoyed today thank you so much for listening if you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavior problem or you want help moving past recovery as well we encourage you to call us here at 888-424-2626 or you can reach us through our website at thefreedommodel.org at that website we offer many free resources including videos these podcasts and our ebooks. Digital editions of our books are available to our podcast listeners for free at thefreedommodel.org. Use coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout for the Freedom Model for Addictions and Family 100 for the Freedom Model for the Family. Paperbacks of our books are also available at Amazon and other online retailers. And if you think you might need detox, um, you can call our friends at Gallus Detox. That's G-A-L-L-U-S Detox.com. Um, they will answer all your questions and they also will do inpatient detox for um, Suboxone and Methadone. So that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.